Welcome back once again to Rhythms of Grace. Uh, my name is Nate, I'm the executive pastor at Grace Church, and I'm here with Sung Kim, the lead pastor of Grace Church. And here's what I love about this podcast, Sung. I'll tell you straight up that each season has been completely different. Mm. I mean, one of the main reasons we started this was because we wanted to, to create a context where we could talk about faith in lots of different areas, right. lots of different things that might not work as a sermon series or might not come up in conversation. So far, we're doing we're doing a pretty good job of random topics. Um, our first season, where we talked a ton about the rhythms of life and the rhythms of maturity. Uh, season two, we talked about the Enneagram in depth. This season, we're calling No Easy Answers, right? Yep. And we're just looking at some of the really complex, confusing, or maybe downright alarming verses that we see in the Bible that are ask that make people ask, what does this mean? How, how could how could God be who I think He is if this is in there? Or what does this mean for my life? Mm-hmm. So you're gonna spring a verse on me, yeah, and we're just gonna go get for in, it. Just get in deep. Yeah, and let me say that th- this season, I don't know how long it's going to be, but we're focusing in on the New Testament. And I understand that with some of the New Testament passages, those might be difficult passages for people who are pretty committed Christians. Mm. You know, like one of the, a couple of them that I, I already know we need to address because people have texted is um, the unforgivable sin. Yep. Have I committed that? A- another one is the question of hell. Mm. That, that's a big one. And some other things. A- and we're going to go down some areas that I think might um, stir controversy. Right, I mean the Bible. You is hate controversy. I do. <laughs> no, you live off it. Well, it's like you, your bread and butter. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll say this again. There are some things because there are no easy answers. Right. Mm-hmm. Let's say the issue of human sexuality, mm-hmm. or uh, you know, and, and the Old Testament is a whole another animal that we might either. I don't know if we'll have space and time to do it this season or maybe next season. But like, yeah, you know, like all the genocide. How, oh, sure. How do you explain that? And so again, like uh, just to understand that some of the passages we might be going in the beginning are some common ones uh, among committed Christians and may not be questions that your friend at the office is asking. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing is that we're going to, we're not necessarily going to land on a, here's the explanation you've all been looking for. A lot of these things I think can be interpreted multiple ways. And our goal is more to say there are thoughtful ways to think about this in many different from, from many sort of different sides or facets. Um, and that's kind of what we're trying to do. Yep. So here's a, a passage that somebody texted and asked, well, can you explain this? Because especially if you know that, especially from outsiders or atheists or what's called the new atheists, uh, Christianity necessarily is not viewed as a force for good in the world. Mm-hmm. Instead, the, sometimes Christianity... People will accuse the Christian faith of being a force uh, uh, of violence. Yeah. And one of the passages that they'll point to is here in, was it Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. This is Jesus talking. He says, do not suppose that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. 
And uh, that, like, so the question is, how does that jive? Like, isn't Jesus the Prince of Peace? And when his birth was announced, didn't the angel say, well, glory to God in the highest heavens, peace on earth? And here Jesus says, I didn't come to bring peace. I can't bring a sword. That that sounds like holy war jihad type stuff. Yeah, it doesn't really fit with uh, our maybe our preferred, or for many of us, our preferred image of Jesus as sort of the kind, loving, accepting, uh, again, bringer of peace and harmony and love. It's really, really different. Yeah. So here's a question. We we didn't really talk this through even before recording, but what are your some random thoughts on that? How how do you piece some of that together? Can you tell me the passage again? I actually, I need, I'm a visual person. I need to actually. Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. Matthew 10, 34. Because what else does he say around there? I mean, I'm always looking at context. Mm-hmm. You know, I think sometimes there is a tendency with verses that are confusing. Yeah. If you just look at the verse all by itself, it can be really unclear. So I always like, and this is just a tip for anybody, make sure that you're reading sort of the entire context right. because I have certainly said things that taken with just that sentence make me out to be a horrible person (laughs) but in context i'm only kind of a horrible person (laughs) well so the context is right before that he says whoever acknowledges me before others i will also acknowledge before my father in heaven whoever disowns me before others i will disown before my father in heaven and after that he says for i've come to turn a man against his father a daughter against her mother a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law that's pretty common. It uh, doesn't have to be Jesus. Jesus didn't need to come to do that. <laughs> a man's enemies will be members of his own household. And, and that passage uh, is actually a quote from the pro- uh, prof- Old Testament prophet Micah, where Micah says, uh, a man against his father, a daughter against her mother. So what are your thoughts on Jesus saying this striking statement of, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. I have a couple general thoughts. Yeah. I would describe them as uninformed uh, and half-formed. But one of the things that constantly strikes me about Jesus is how regularly he describes what he's trying to do as turning what we expect on its head. Mm. Um, you, know, you can think of lots of ways that he says, when he's quoting the Old Testament, he says, you have heard, you know, you've heard it said, or it has been written, and he'll say something, and then he'll sort of say either the opposite, or sort of like take it to a much greater extreme, um, you know, Uh, and so there's some of it that I think, is he doing that here? Like, is he trying to catch people's attention um, in terms of just trying to say, you, what you think I'm going to do, or maybe what you think needs to be done is different than what I'm mm. actually about to do. Yeah, and that's a good sign of a great communicator. Mm. I, I mean, even great stories and movies are based on that whole premise, that what you expect is going to happen is actually the opposite or something very different. Mm. Yeah, and then if you think about um, where he goes with that, mm-hmm. saying, I've come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, daughter-in-law, it there's an element of it where, you know, if a so if the sword if the sword is an example of violence or division, 
he's in some ways he could be saying that's kind of what he starts to lay out like understand like my presence in your life will not necessarily bring peace Mm -hmm. but who i am is divisive what i what i what i say is polarizing people who choose to follow me will find themselves at odds with maybe their family or their culture or um you know, their workplace. I mean, all these kinds of things. So th- I think that's maybe one way to look at yeah. it. And he's using, we've talked about this, I think, last uh, week, he, using hyperbole to yeah. sort of drive his point home. Yeah, I mean, certainly Jesus taught his followers to, I, and he said some radical things uh, too about like to not resist or retaliate when you're treated, uh, you know, either whether you're attacked or you're just ill-treated. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's pretty radical too, the whole yep. idea of turning the other cheek. Yep. Um, and, and there are certain uh, pockets of um, uh, people in, let's say, the Mennonite circle who would take that to, like, very literally. Yeah. Like, and, and, there, uh, and I only know this because um, where, where Amy grew up is a heavy Mennonite community, and, and the Mennonite question was, if somebody, like, had held you at gunpoint and yeah. had your kids and, and your wife or, or husband, you know, tied up, like, would you fight back? Right. And a true Mennonite would say no. No. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, how do how do we understand any of this, right? On one hand, he's saying, like, I come to bring a sword, and yet, like, turn the other cheek. And I do think you're tapping into a, a good clue there, right? Um, like, uh, even Jesus' own family members, if you remember parts of the gospel stories, had misgivings about Jesus and who he thought he was, yeah. right? his identity and even his ministry. And like his brothers were like, oh, he's out of his mind. Right. And, and even it says that even his brothers did not even believe in him. Yeah. And, um, and, and like the context you talked about, right after that, he talks about a man against father, daughter against her mother. And even after that, and we, pre- we preached about this uh, a few weeks ago, anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. You know, and so it's, and in another, in the parallel passage, it's even stronger unless you hate your mother or father. Yeah. Which again, and if you listen to the sermon from a few weeks back, I, 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 I talked a little bit about in some countries how this is still a reality that, that following Jesus causes a division. Yes. And, and so this, maybe a way to summarize this and, and you really led us here, Nate, is when Jesus is talking about this, he's referring to the effect of his coming and not necessarily the purpose of his coming. Right. Well, I mean, and uh, you know, saying that and, and remembering your sermon from a couple of weeks ago actually reminded me that in some ways, the, those of us that have an issue with this verse are, how do I say this? Spoiled, maybe? <laughs> I mean, I think that there are vast numbers of Christians all across the globe who would say, Oh, that's 100% been my experience Right, that following Jesus has brought a sort of division into my life, that it puts me at odds with, in many cases, my government, or like you said, my family. And so in some ways, the fact that we're so spoiled makes us look at that and be like, well, how could that possibly be? And it's like, you know, you can, I mean, voice of the martyrs, you, there are tons of places where you can look and see that this is, like you said, the effect that many, many people experience when they decide to follow Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And in the early church, uh, when you, when you converted to the Christian faith, when you decided I'm going to follow this, uh, guy named Jesus, 
um, that meant opposition with family and friends automatically, unless they were already followers of Jesus. And so tensions happen with husbands and wives. Um, So again, he he says this, and and because I don't think we understand the the context or or even the climate in which Jesus is doing his ministry, it's really easy to misunderstand this. And even for outsiders to go see Jesus promotes violence. Right, right. And, and so I, I think that's, especially a few chapters back, Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. Yeah. Well, what is he, contradicting himself? Yeah. What is he, talking out of both sides of his mouth? But again, this is the, the nuance that we have to understand with, with the whole uh, narrative of Scripture. I mean, in many ways, and I know I'm sorry to all of our listeners when I said I, we weren't going to try to just give you an answer, but listen to this. Uh, in many ways, you can see if you put this next to his verses about how to treat your enemies, mm-hmm. you suddenly realize that what he is saying is that following me will, following me will, will bring enemies into your life. Mm-hmm. You will not find peace. You will find the sword. Yeah. And then he lays out, guess what? When you encounter these enemies, here's what you need to do. You, and this, I actually said this in the online service this week um, or last week. Lend without expecting anything in return. If someone asks for your shirt, give them their cloak. Give them your cloak. If someone asks you to walk a mile, walk with them too. So you, c- if you see that as sort of a narrative arc that Jesus is saying, he's saying, look, and this again is such an, uh, I'm s- it's such sort of like an American perspective, which yeah. is like Jesus comes to make our lives easy. Yeah. And that's not at all what he's saying. And I think probably the people that he was speaking to who, who were looking for a Messiah, that was also their expectation, mm-hmm. right? They were saying that when the Messiah comes, all of these trials and tribulations, they will finally be over. Right. And Jesus is saying, I am, you know, I know, again, I know that that is how you are reading these verses and these promises and these prophecies. Let me tell you what's actually going to happen. That when I am in your life, you're going to experience trials and division and violence. And when you do, this is how you're to respond. And in doing so, you will be marked as followers of me, not like everybody else. Right. And even the passage about loving, you know, or... Uh, the one translation that says hating your mother or father, right? Mm-hmm. And again, a, a uh, maybe a palatable translation would be like love Jesus more than. Yeah. Um, but that's also a good question, even for us in the West and in North America to ask. Like, let's let's put your perspective from a your uh, your perspective as a parent. Would you rather have your kids obey Jesus or you? Oh man, it's the same thing. Right, so it's right, a non-question. Right. <laughs> right. And, and again, sometimes we oh, think, well, boy. It, isn't obeying that your parents like the same thing? Yeah, but at some point, right? As fallible human beings and as fallible yeah. parents, we 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 want control. We have a certain agenda that doesn't line up with God's agenda, yeah. and so sometimes uh, to be able to surrender that yeah. really po- exposes the fact that yeah, uh, we may say, of course, we want our kids to follow Jesus. But when the rubber meets the road, yeah. hey, do what I say. Well, so let me put this out there, and I'm just going to give a real concrete example of this that I've seen, and I'll try to keep it as anonymous as possible. But I was talking to someone whose parents love Jesus, 
Um, they also are sort of uh, in the midst of COVID have become strongly, strongly anti-vax. Mm-hmm. And and car- and it carries with that all sorts of, um, it's tied into their theology yeah. and politics, all those things. And this person was saying to me, for me, choosing to get vaccinated or not, the concern is that it will put me in direct conflict with the people in my life. And that's, you know, our decision to, or as a parent, we can look at that and say, well, do you want your, your child to be thinking independently and making their own choices, or do you want them to just do what you say? Right. And, uh, and that's exactly the conflict that I think Jesus is describing here, mm-hmm. that there will come a point where um, if we do our job, our children will see the world in a unique way and will choose to follow Jesus in ways that are different or unique from us. And that will put us potentially in conflict. And I want to be careful. I'm not equating getting the vaccine with following Jesus. For me, it was just a real clear example of someone feeling like a choice that I want to make is going to put me in direct conflict with my parents' culture and theology and political opinions, and we're going to fight about it forever. Yeah. And that people who choose to follow Jesus in lots of different cultures that is exactly what they can expect yeah and so this isn't a call like for some brazen rebellion towards your family or or, uh, again that's not the reason why jesus came but he's he is saying look this might be the effect uh maybe not in every area but in certain areas with uh, friends and family members and uh, so, so that's just something to keep in mind. This is not like because you also have to consider where in other parts of scripture where it says honor your father and mother, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and so again, like you could see, there's no easy answer. Right. Sometimes people will come to me and say, "Hey, you know, I want to. I, I feel like God is calling me to do this, but my parents are saying no. How you know? How do you? How do you like? Can you? Can you give me an answer? Yeah. And, and I'm like, there is no easy answer because both are true yes. you must honor your father and mother and there will be choices god calls you to make that will put you in conflict with them it's like how, how do you bring those two things together right you know? and, and and that's a challenge because sometimes we'll we'll read one or the other and sometimes i've had people uh and i've done this too actually as a as a young adult like just lash out against my parents mm-hmm. and that is not honoring so, he, so, so listen, I'm sorry, did you have more you no, no, to say about ahead. that? So here's one thing that's interesting for, I think, to put this again, to turn it on its head a little bit, which is what if you, as you challenged us earlier, what if you evaluate yourself as the father or the mother or the mother-in-law or the, you know, in this, in this, call it mini parable of Jesus, what if we started to live in a way that expected our children to disagree with us mm-hmm. as they grew closer to Jesus. Yeah. How dramatically different would we enter into those situations if we understood that, oh, this part of part of someone following Jesus is that that we will be in conflict over things. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, that in and of itself is not an easy answer. I yeah. don't want that to be true. Right. I don't right. want that to be true with my kids. But if we sort of had that perspective, if we sort of looked at a, a fight in that framework, you begin to ask the question, which I ask relentlessly, God, what are you doing here? Yeah, This isn't just about my child agreeing with me. This isn't just about... Um, uh, what is right and what is wrong. This is, God is doing something, and if we have raised our children as we want them to, they will have a unique perspective. Yeah. I, that's a, I'll be honest, that's challenging for it, me. It is, it is, because how how 
easy is it to, you know, on one hand for parents to say, do whatever you want. Yeah. And on the other hand saying, no, no, do what I say. Yeah. But there's a third way, which is, uh, and this is where like discipling your own kids come in, which is, Hey, as you learn scripture, as you form your relationship with God, what, what is it that God wants? And, and, And so it's not even like, Hey, like, what is it you want in a selfish way, kind of apart from God, but what is it that God wants and what are the, what are the desires that God is forming in you and yeah. shaping in you yeah. that, that is coming out and expressing itself in God honoring ways? Well, I mean, it's, it's literally like deciding as a parent that you are going to try to help your children discern, even yeah. if that means they land somewhere different. Right. right. I mean, I've had this exact, com- I don't think he would mind me sharing. I've had this exact conversation with my oldest son, who's a junior mm-hmm. in college where he said to me, dad, I have lots of questions uh, about this and this and this and this when mm-hmm. it comes to faith. Mm-hmm. And my tendency is to say, oh man, those are the exact same questions I had when I was 20. Let me tell you the answers. <laughs> and thankfully, he's smart enough that he said to me, dad, I don't want to know the answers, yeah. but I want someone to walk through the question yeah. asking and discernment process. Yep. Will you do that? And that's for a parent, that's much harder because there is the fear, right? They're going to land somewhere else. Like he's going he's gonna to make a decision and all of the implications that could mean Mm -hmm. for our family or for his faith or all of these things but he was he was wise enough to ask for it and so we really did that we spent lots of time just talking through hard topics and what I tried to do as a parent was let me help you clarify your own thoughts and discern where where God might be speaking instead of just oh I mean I already sorted that out right and here's the answer, right? Yeah. And ironically, it's the way of walking together in the midst of doubt that will that will actually encourage vibrant faith yeah. to emerge versus, oh, here's the answer. You quell any doubts. And what happens is it just the roots just go deeper. And at some point, it's just going to come exploding out. Yeah. And so uh, th- this has become more of a parent discussion I now, know, but, but it, it's really relevant. It is. It is. And, and uh, what, I, what I love about what you just said is that in many ways, it, as much as I would want to just be able to give my kids the answer and be done with it so that I knew they had the right answer, in reality, what I truly want is that they have done the work so yeah. that when they are challenged or when they're in a difficult spot, they have a foundation that is a part from what I've said, yeah, you know, um, I, I think about it again I, as parents. We'll stick with parenting theme because that mm-hmm. seems to be where we're at. In many ways, we like our children. We long for our children to live sort of drama and difficulty free lives. Yeah. We want them to live a life that's free of adversity. We want all the best things for them in the now. But what I also know to be true is that in order for them to become the people that I want them to be the sword is necessary. Mm-hmm. They need to experience difficulty. Yep. They need to have their Faith beliefs challenged. challenged. Yes, yeah. absolutely. They need to have their hearts broken. They need like those things are part of what give us the, that would give them the resilience that I actually want them to have. Right, right. And so we have to be willing to sort of observe the sword mm-hmm. in their lives as they're pursuing God in our relationships as they're developing an independent perspective and uh, just understand that that creates the strength of character that I really long for, even if it means conflict in the short term. Yeah. Yeah. That's good because I think some parents 
uh, and, and it goes both ways, right? You you either want to control yeah. to the point where like it just stifles guilty, <laughs> <laughs> and at the same time, sometimes some parents will hear that and go, "Okay, great, I won't do that," and, and they go way off to the other end and say, "Yes, well, you you don't want to you don't want to be a part of uh, the people of God or or be uh, you know you don't you don't want to you don't want to serve the underprivileged." Well, fine, you do you, yeah, and, and that's just as Bad. And what is act- it's actually avoiding the sword on exactly. the other side, right? Exactly. Like it's the same sort of root sin a parent can make, which is yeah. saying, I don't want the conflict. I don't right. want the difficulty. I don't want the fights or I don't yeah. want the, to take the time. It's just you can either hyper control to make it happen or you can be totally hands off. Yeah. And we're actually called to walk in the middle. That's hard. Dang, it is, it is, it is hard. So this know? is a hard passage, less because of the sword and the violence, as much as, as we're talking about this. Man, for any parent that's listening, like this is a challenge in such a different way. Yeah. And, and it, it challenges us to be the kinds of mother and father and parents in ways that our kids need, uh, uh, need us to be. Yeah. Because like you were saying, our natural instinct is to let's shield them from difficulty and challenges. And yet we'll be the first to say it's difficulty and challenges that made us who we are. 100%. And yet we want to, it's such a natural parental instinct. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's even a hard passage for children because again, you have to hold it in tension with the command to honor your father and mother and to, and to be a person of peace. So how do you, it's the question becomes how do you engage in conflict in a peaceful manner? Yeah. And we have to be committed to that with the people in our lives. I think again, it's easy to, to fall to one extreme to either say, well, I'm not going to cause any waves and be a person of peace, or I'm going to just fight all the time. I like God calls me to wield the sword. So, you know, here we go. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and really, there's like this weird, really uncomfortable, in some ways, deeply personal tension that we have to live in where we're discerning each relationship and each topic and each context sort of separately. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of work, man. Yeah. I'm getting tired just talking about it. Whew, we better retire <laughs> for the day. <laughs> yeah, man. We're done. We're wrapping it up. We should get out of here. Um, no, but that's good. That's good. And, and uh, so in some ways, I love that... Uh, Perhaps the explanation of this verse is clear, mm-hmm. but w- applying it to your life and walking it out in a way where you can, um, r- you know, kind of do it with confidence and in righteousness is very, there's nothing easy about it. Yep, no easy answers. No easy answers. Is that a good spot to stop, Sung? Yep. All right. Well, thank you so much for being with us again for another episode of Rhythms of Grace. We look forward to being with you again next week when we tackle another difficult passage from the New Testament. You doing one, dude? All right.